Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I am your moderator for this meeting. Uh, today is Sunday, June 27, 2021. The uh, share ID numbers for Friday, June 25th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Big Book Study, that number is 17,226. And my best Chicago accent here, 17226. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Big Book Study, that number is 17,227. Kind of do it in sequence here, right? 17227. This morning, I want to sound like that. This morning, A Vision for You presents <laughs> Continue for a Lifetime, Steps 10 and 11. We're going to have directions from the big book shared together with, the, with our personal experience here. You know, when we look at uh, the last three steps, and I know that our focus this morning is going to be on uh, 10 and 11, these are, are not simply maintenance steps. Sometimes we hear that maintenance and growth steps, and I'm not disputing that, but they're not just maintenance steps, um, not just something designed to keep us sober, but actually, you know, by necessity to see that we continue to grow in our relationship both with God, with our higher power, with ourselves, and with our fellow human beings. And there are two separate uh, times in the big book. Uh, Bill mentions the, the fourth dimension of existence, that spiritual, spiritual dimension, right? And it's a dimension that far surpasses the other three, in my experience. And he mentions it the first time in Bill's story, Another instance uh, in chapter two, there is a solution. He mentions that fourth dimension. And, and it's an interesting thing because you can't really explain it. I've tried uh, to no avail. You can't, you can't even describe it, really. You can only feel it. In other words, it's experiential. You know? and, and that's the overriding purpose of the last three steps I was taught. Uh, they move us into another dimension of living. Uh, one of the things, uh, one of the things that, that, that we did many decades ago in, in the 12-step rooms is we, we took the steps out of the book, right? And we put them on a huge card. We might have even laminated this huge card. And we slapped it and glued it to the wall in our meeting rooms. And if you're like me, we memorize them because I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, kind of lip syncing here, right? And we memorized those steps that were slapped on the wall. But we left the instructions for the implementation of those steps in the book. <laughs> they're, they're, they've always been in the book, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So they're on the wall. They, they're there for all to see uh, without the instructions. And it's no wonder sometimes that that I or, or other people get in trouble. See, steps 10 and 11 off the wall are incomplete without the precise instructions to keep me in alignment with God, uh, tethered to this fourth dimension of existence. And you know, for me, before I know it, uh, my disconnection uh, starts with a kind of a acute snowball, you know? And next thing you know, it ends up in an avalanche if I'm not continuing. So my sponsor and other beautiful people on this line remind me of, you know, that this is for a lifetime. We continue on this imperfect course of action, way of living. Um, 
the, I was given kind of a shorthand uh, to the steps that were very helpful to me, to the sequence of the steps, right? The order of the steps. And what the, what the gentleman told me is he, he said, you know, Larry, steps one, two, and three get you right with God. Steps four through seven get you right with yourself. Eight and nine get you right with others. And 10, 11, and 12 keep you right with God, with yourself, and with others. And that was helpful for me to see. Now, joining us this morning to speak on specifically on steps 10 and 11 is this, I, I like this person. You know what I like about her? She's got passion. And she's funny. She makes me laugh. So, and, and I don't know that there was a lot for her to laugh about years ago. I can relate to that. It wasn't a lot for me to laugh about. But we laugh today. And we're both passionate today about this program that's changed our lives. And Katie G is a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous. Katie uh, carries this message. She ne- I, I don't see her carrying it with a hammer these days. She never beat me over the head with a hammer. But she carries the message born of her own experience. And so with that intro, I told her I, I had about a two-hour intro. <laughs> she said, good, then I don't have to talk. But with that, um, please join me um, in, in welcoming um, our fellow Katie G. Hi, Katie. Good morning. Hey, Larry. How's it going? Thanks it's going for your good. introduction. All right, good. Should we get this started? Let's get it rolling. All right. Hey, friends. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater. My hands are sweating, and I know that's a really pretty image. They're shaking. So I just want to invite God in to be present on the line with us. A vision for you meeting has given me a life today worth living. And when I was asked to do some service here, I was asked to speak about the steps that I'm most passionate about. And I've actually stopped feeling like it's all about, you know, a certain step. But 10 and 11 encompass all of our step work, um, including 12. And the thing is, when I first came to A Vision for You, um, I thought that when they said they were recovered, they were cured. I thought that I should just get a Vision for You sponsor, which doesn't exist, follow the Vision for You program, which we're just a healthy meeting where we study the big book, right? And then run off into the sunset with ponies and rainbows and be able to share every day on the line and teach the message and preach. And what life has taught me is that that's not the case. And I have to work diligently every single day on my recovery. Because remember, I have a chronic illness. And over any period of time, it does get worse, never better. I must always have a solid foundation in step one, always, always, because if I'm not willing to pause, pray, and connect, if I'm not willing to ask God to remove it, discuss it with someone immediately, make amends quickly, and throw myself harder into helping others, then I think I have power, choice, and control. So I'm just going to invite you, if you're not on step 10 and 11, please don't, uh, I I don't want to answer any questions about it. Like, just be on the step you're on, bloom where you're planted, um, and just kind of absorb it. um, Because, you know, I think the most important thing is that I'm not trying to get to the head of the class. I just am where God wants me to be. 
So we get to step 10, right, and I have to, uh, I continue, and um, I just want to give um, a definition of maintenance that I actually uh, looked up, which is right here. The purpose of maintenance is to ensure the maximum efficiency and availability of production equipment, utilities, and related facilities as, at optimal cost and under satisfactory conditions, safety, protection for the environment. So what does that mean? So we get to step 10, right? And I've done a lot of work. I've put my food down, right? I have to separate myself from that food with um, a recovered sponsor, food behaviors. And as the result of going through all the steps, I get conscious contact with God. And what conscious contact with God is like, I, I heard a speaker say recently, um, we're placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, right? So if you put your car in neutral and you slam on the gas, the car goes vroom, right? But the car doesn't go anywhere. And that is me on a good spiritual hair day, right? So I get up and my brain is going, oh my gosh, I have to do a Sunday special edition. Everybody's thinking about me. Oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm sweating. This is going to be a mess. But there is a space between me and that dialogue, right? Because there's the main problem of my disease is in my mind. And thanks be to God, the food is down today. Um, and what I know is that I have been gifted at step nine, right? I get gifted with conscious contact with God. The problem is I have an ego, right? And my ego wants to separate me from you every day. I am never cured. And the other problem is, is that <clears throat> when I put the food down and I do the steps, life gets good. And I know you're like, well, why is that the problem? Because when I'm done with an antibiotic, I feel better. And I'm like, dude, done with the antibiotic. Thanks, doctor. Right? But I don't have an antibiotic disease. I have a chronic fatal illness that gets worse over any period of time. So each and every day, whether it be the day my daughter is born, the day um, I'm graduating, the day I go on a trip, it don't matter. Disease is still with me. Alcoholism is looking for an opportunity to separate me from you because I leave Overeaters Anonymous one judgment of, uh, at a time. And so 10 and then 11 are, are meant, as that definition says, like I have to maintenance my car. And I agree with Larry that it's growing. But like if you think about your car, if you don't give it an oil change, you're in big trouble. Silence for me is the language of God. And one of my um, spiritual mentors talks about how um, if you go to the ocean with a symbol, you only get a symbol full of water, right? But let's go to the ocean with an empty vessel. So we got to empty out of selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear. And a few qualifications. I am not speaking from a moral high ground. I do step tens every day. I have humbling things that I, I look forward to sharing with you today, some actions, attitudes, and behaviors that are not what I would share about on the line, right? But I'm going to today. If something I say your sponsor or you disagree with, that's great. Let's talk about it. Got no problem with that. And go with your sponsor, you know, because we do talk about this book two hours a day and then on the weekends too. And that's why I'm so passionate that 
Um, there's a lot of diversity. We're not a program. We're Overeaters Anonymous, okay? I'm recovered. I'm not cured. And this is a lifetime of daily living, a lifetime of daily living. I, my earliest memories, so just so some numbers for you, in my adult life, I've been 228 pounds and 110 pounds. And no, Katie, this is not about the food, but let's pause there because the food is a very important symptom, right? So Overeaters Anonymous defines abstinence as the action of refraining from addictive food substances and behaviors while working towards a healthy body weight. So actually, it is important that I maintain entire abstinence. But the real soul sickness is in my soul, as I just said, my earliest memories, I'm different. I don't know how to live my life, and I want my thing. I want a thing. I want to be a swimmer. I want to be a dancer. I don't know. I want to be a thing. And I didn't know what thing I had to have, so I went through some crazy childhood stuff, and that's not a qualification. If you had a perfect childhood, you have a seat right next to me. Let's go. You do not have to have endured trauma to be a compulsive eater. You need two things, allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And the obsession of the mind does not have to be about the food. It can be about anything. So that's why 10 is so important. 11 is so important because I have to have conscious contact with God. I have to know that that rev of that engine, that vroom, that's not me, right? If I, if I go into drive, I'm in trouble, right? Like big trouble because if there's no separation between that thought and me, then I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm controlling, I'm creating chaos. So, um, I want to share that coming into the rooms of OA, I became alcoholic. You know, there's a quote that says, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, I could not postpone or evade. I had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is either all things or he is nothing. What is my choice to be? So what I mean by becoming alcoholic is that I learned, and, I'm, and when I say alcoholic, I do mean compulsive eater. I learned that my troubles are of my own making. I didn't understand the selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear that is my disease. Um, and so... Um, I really didn't know that my thinking was so abnormal. Um, and my troubles are, are of my own making, right? So I walked around in college with a chip on my shoulder. I used to say I hate people and then tell my friends they didn't count, right? And then I wondered why people didn't like me. I saw everyone as a competition. Um, the other caveat I want to give you is I'm not here to teach how to do Step 10 and 11. There's a lot of variety, and that's what I love about giving Step 10 tens away and talking about step 11 because there are little idiosyncrasies that everyone has. So the problem with my disease is I'm an extreme example of self-will when right and I have to have God's help. I cannot reduce my self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on my own power. So if you're new and you don't want God, I have to tell you this program is about getting a God of your understanding and I want to be a ticker tape parade for God the God of your understanding, not the God of Disneyland, but the God of your understanding. It's all about God. And when I came into the rooms and I was finally beaten into a state of reasonableness, I didn't care. All I knew was that what I was doing wasn't working. So how do we get God's help? How do we access God's power? How do we maintain it and grow? So a couple crazy promises, right? In the AA 12 and 12, it says it's a spiritual axiom, and an axiom is something that is true in all circumstances, that every time I am disturbed, get ready for this, no matter what, 
there is something wrong with us. What about justifiable anger? If someone cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can't we properly um, be angry with, with self-righteous folk? For us of AA, these are dangerous exceptions. We have found that justifiable anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle. Who's better qualified to handle? Husband. My husband can rage, not rage, please forgive me. My husband can yell at his work in what I think is yelling and then move on. I yell and I am obsessed. And then what happens is I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed. Oh, my God, I yelled, they did this, they did that, they did that. Then what happens is there's a thought that is not connected to God. It says, Katie, go throw up, right? And I'm not connected to God. So eating is a step up from how I feel. The other crazy promise in this book, page 99, do you know that I can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does? That's crazy. That's crazy. Whatever you do, whatever you say on the line, I can be sober, considerate, and helpful. Like, I've been a victim my whole life. I am the victim of my parents. How, I, how can I function with the kind of parents I had, right? Um, I'm going to – I also want to say that um, – what was that? Okay. Um, contingent – Okay. So this is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Now, one of the words that we forget, and I'm glad Larry brought it up and we already defined it, is maintenance of our spiritual condition. So here's what it's not saying. Hey, this is contingent on your spiritual condition. So you better be like the freaking Buddha and arrive. It's saying it's contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So I got a maintenance. I don't have to be good at it. A lot of people are like, I'm not good at step 10. Who cares? Maintenance. Do it. Practice, right? So I identify as a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. My teachers go take me through the steps on an annual basis, as in 1 through 12. I just completed steps 1 through 12 on control. I'm currently on step 4, going through the steps on relationship. And I do a lot to go deeper with 10 and 11, which always drives me to 12. Um, and I'm going to give you some examples today. Um, I'm never perfect. I've done a lot of things. <clears throat> and I also want to share, it's very easy <clears throat> for some of us to talk on Vision for You for three minutes. What's hard is to practice and actually apply four through nine, right? And practice means the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method as opposed to theories relating to it. Whew, so let's dive right in. So I want to review some myths. A lot of times we hear, so if, you're, if you want your book, a lot of times we hear step 10 is um, at night, okay, and step 11 is prayer and meditation. So let's go to page 58, excuse me, I don't know where 50 came from, 84. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to pay, take personal inventory and continue to take, set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. And as I said in the beginning, we've entered the world of the spirit, so we've entered the world of God. There are four steps that I see in step 10, and I do not see any mention of nighttime. It says this is night, not an overnight matter, touche, but I don't say, see that it says do this at night. It should continue to, for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear, just like in four. So step 10 includes four through nine. When these crop up, now that does not say if. Okay, so that promises me, like, just like yesterday, when I got disturbed, it cropped up. I got to be 
in consciousness with my body to know I, I'm, I'm disturbed, right? So what do I do? I ask God at once to remove it. Number two, I discuss it with someone immediately. Now, look, I have children, okay? So last week when my older daughter was having a tantrum for an hour and a half, snot-nosed, messy crying, screaming at the top of her lungs, I could not call. I asked God to remove it. I started praying out loud, and I sent three text messages to some spiritual heroes of mine. And I said, this is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm asking God to remove it, right? So I discussed it with them, and then I went back and talked to them further. And I make amends quickly. So like yesterday, when I got heated at my husband and my daughter, and it had nothing to do with them, I knew in my body, whoa, Katie, what are you doing? No heated with them. They've done nothing. So I went back to them and I said to my older daughter, mommy was wrong. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have gotten mad at you. And I said the same to Hubs, right? Make amends quickly. And then, you know, something I missed too is I thought I could just continue to talk about it. Like I thought that I could just get on the phone and say, oh my gosh, look at this amazing step 10 experience I've had. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's not saying that. It's saying that I have to help others. Right. And so sometimes people will call me and I'll be like, well, I don't feel good. Well, I have to tell you the point for me of step 10 is not to feel good. It's to feel good. Right. And so when I do a step 10 and I'm snot nose messy crying, I'm feeling and then I got to help someone else and realize my feelings are not do not dictate my life. Right. Another point I want to make if, this, if your sponsor says differently, you do what your sponsor says. But step 10 and 11 support or step 10 supports my step nine. Okay, it says we vigorously commence this way of living as I clean up the past, right? So for me, that's amends. So the way I was taught, I do an amend, and then I start living in 10 and 11. Now, it is so easy to say we're living in step 10 and 11, and again, I'm not going get to get through it all. So let's try and get into this. So um, as, I've told, as I've reviewed, step 10 um, is inclusive of all the steps. So we ask God at once to remove them. Discuss them with someone immediately, five. Make amends quickly, eight and nine. Resolutely turn my thoughts to someone I can help. Love and tolerance of others is my code. Okay, and then it has these beautiful step 10 promises. We, I'm not fighting anything or anyone, and it's interesting. It says food last, right? And because there's no room to fight in the world of the spirit. If I'm fighting, I am God. I'm playing God. So I have a new attitude towards food and I'm placed in that position of neutrality, right? Like I can slam on the gas, my head can go crazy, but I know it's just my head. And again, this is how we react so long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. So again, I want to be clear, step 10 during the day, okay, during the day, the walking around steps. Um, we move on and it talks about every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. This, is, this paragraph, it is easy to let, let up on, on my spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels. Um, that, those, are the, those are the promises. Those are the threats if I do not continue with this work. Um, I knew that we are not fighting it. Um, we are not cured. Right, we have a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Every day is a day when I must carry 
the vision of God's will into all of my activities. Now, this is interesting. I can exercise my willpower along this line. So I, I do gain access to the point is a lot of people will say sometimes I, I'm managing my life now. I'm not managing my life, right? I don't get to manage my life. I have a new manager. I can exercise my willpower along this line all that I wish. And then it talks, talks still in step 10. I've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. So what is a, what is a sense? So we have touch, sight, hearing, smell, and taste. But now I have another one, and it's vital, which means it's life-giving. So that means that the consciousness that I develop with a power greater than me, and this is why I don't apologize for God, <laughs> the consciousness I develop with a power greater than me is giving me life, right? I must develop this vital sixth sense with step 10. I want to give you a little bit of an example of what a step 10 might sound like. Okay, and again, if I do it differently, just remember, like, call me later, tell me I'm wrong, maybe I'll learn from you. Hope I do. Um, all right, so, and these are all current in case you're worried. <laughs> I am, so it, uh, I think it was Sunday, maybe, I don't even know what day it is today. Um, so a day in the last couple of days, I got resentful at Hubs. Poor man, he's my person. The cause, forcing me to go on this quote-unquote family vacation, which affects my self-esteem because I tell myself I'm not good enough. My security, I feel physically insecure that he's forcing me. My ambition, how am I going to be successful in the world if I'm forced to go on this family trip? My pride, I'm the great KDG. Why am I forced to be doing something I don't want to do? My personal relations, oh, I'm nagging, I'm irritable, and I'm dramatic. Don't you know that I have to uh, pack up the whole family? Don't you know I'm in a program of recovery? I have to pack up all my food now? Oh, my goodness. Right? Um, sex relations, no, thank you, hubs. You're forcing me on a trip, and it's causing me fear. So I ask God to remove it. Right, and then I call my my friend ring a ding, and I and I go through that first part, and then for me I say the sick man's prayer. God, please enable me to see my husband is like me, like me. I am spiritually sick, and a lot of the times I don't even include even include him because the only important thing I know is I'm sick, right? And so then I say, okay, where am I selfish? I need others to cater to my needs so I don't have to work hard without regards to what they want, what they need, or what they're capable of. Friends, my self-seeking behavior is I'm pissy, I'm nagging him, I'm character assassinating, and I'm being dramatic. The lie is I'm living in the delusion that he is forcing me to go on this trip. And the truth is I've been blessed with a family. And love and tolerance of others is my code, and it's a privilege to be able to go. And my fear is failure. And I then say, if I trusted and relied on God, how would I be, right? How would I be? And then I say to friend, friend, do you have any spiritual considerations? I am, I am willing to have God remove all these defects of character, root and branch. Friend says, how is your behavior? I say, pretty abysmal. I've got to make amends to Hubs. Click on the phone. I go back. I say, Hubs, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm having a bad spiritual hair day, and I'm just anxious not about you. There's nothing you could have said or not said to change my behavior. I'm a little wackadoo today, right? And then what do I do? I call my friend and I talk about my step 10, right? No. I throw myself harder into helping others. Love and tolerance of others is my code, right? 
that's step 10, okay? And then I'm getting that vital sixth sense. So I was off the beam, now I'm on the beam. So step 11, I get so confused, right? Because step 11 begins, ironically, where it says step 11, 85. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. Better men than we are using it constantly. So I'm like, all right, cool. Meditation, I know. Like, let me be like uh, the Buddha, right? I'll put my hands on the ground and say, I am, I got it. But actually, so I've been taught that meditation changed in the 1960s. During the time of the big book, meditation was meant to read um, like a fo focused exercise. And I'm sorry for this reference, but it works. So a general in a war meditates on how the day went, right? He considers or she considers, how many people died today? How many guns did I lose? How many, how many guns do I have? And again, war, outside issue, I don't want to talk about it either, but it just helps me to think about. So it's really a general will meditate on a war and examine the army the night before as preparation for the next day, right? So it's not the way, you know, I thought about it, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction and other outside issues. We can include that, right? Because I'm quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what it offers. But the crazy part is step 11 goes back to step 10. What's happening when I retire at night? I constructively review my day. No, I thought inventory was 10. Very interesting, right? But, but the AA 12 and 12 has one of my favorite quotes. There is a direct linkage among self-examination, meditation, and prayer. Taken separately, these practices can bring much relief and benefit. Cool. But when they are logically related and interwoven, the result is an unshakable foundation for life. Holy smokes. Okay, so let's do another humbling example for me, right? So the, the difference, let's talk about the difference between step 10 and 11. Step 10, walking around step. Guess who I'm disturbed by? Another frequent flyer on my step 10. You guys are going to laugh, mother-in-law, okay? So walking around, mother-in-law says, when is your older daughter going to come visit me without you? And that affected all aspects of my identity. I asked God to remove it. I discussed it with someone immediately. Saw where I was being selfish, self-seeking, dishonesty, dishonest and afraid. Um, and asked myself if I'm willing to have God remove all my defects of character. Um, I did owe an amend to Hubs because I did make a passive aggressive comment about crazy thinking that a three-year-old could go be with a mother-in-law when she's just saying she loves my kids, right? So I did that. And then I threw myself harder into helping others. And what does that mean? Sometimes it means I call one of you. Sometimes it means I call a newcomer. Sometimes it means I nurse my child, right? I got a love and tolerance of others is my code. But then what am I doing in step 11? So let's go through this. Um, you know, when I retire at night, I constructively review our day. Now, again, I write this out, okay? I don't write out 10. I write out 11. If your sponsor has you say do differently, that's fine. Where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? So I've never answered the question resentful no, okay? And it, I, I want to point out here, um, if, if you're saying no, that's fine, but I, I'm going to challenge you. Like, have you been on Vision for You recently? When you get on Vision for You, what, is your, what does your head sound like? Are you judging like me, you know? And a judgment is just a resentment. So even when there are days that I don't have a pause, pray, and connect, you know, turn, watch, get out of myself, 
like snot nose, messy crying, step 10, I always know that I've got a resentment. So the difference with this mother-in-law thing, so I had an active doozy. So for me, resentful, I will reflect on, yeah, I was, I was resentful with my mother-in-law, and this was the outcome of my step 10. Do I owe an apology? Yep, I made it. Now, have I, do I, um, sorry, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Now, for me, I'm a very disciplined woman. Y'all know me. You know I'm a day-at-a-time kind of talk-to-my-sponsor-every-day kind of girl. So I do discuss them with someone immediately, right? And so I'll note, need to review how I behaved with mother-in-law. Why? Because I'm talking to God at night. I'm writing this out and thinking, was I kind and loving toward all? No, not with mother-in-law. What could I have done better? Pause. Was I thinking of myself most of the time? Here I like to say, you know, um, how I was not thinking of myself and how I could have been thinking of others, right? Um, and so I use this nightly inventory to notate where I fell short and then ask God, God, how do I fix this? And then I use the morning considerations that we'll get to to consider how can I be different today? How can I not make passive aggressive comments to hubs today? How can I see my mother-in-law with love, kindliness, patience, tolerance, and love today? And I want to report, um, I, I have talked about the same resentments for years. You can go back and listen to other talks. But what I've noticed is that um, they're changing with frequency, intensity, and duration. So recently, one of the miracles of living in step 10 during the day, pause, pray, connect, turn, watch, is that with my mother-in-law, I'm a different person. In fact, she noted it. She said to me, Katie, uh, Auntie Paula said that you were different. And uh, I said, yeah, that's what having two kids will do for you. And I just kind of chuckled. But I've gone from being a possessive mother who thinks that everybody is going to kill my children, so I need to stuff them back inside my body, and that's just how I feel, to being like, oh, yeah, these kids don't belong to me. Hey, mother-in-law, will you, will you take care of my kids right now? Because they don't belong to me. Will you help me? So I'm not fighting her. I've ceased fighting anything or anyone. So keep up the work, right? So now I know I'm jumping all over the place, but I want to go back to some myths about step 10, so too much, that it's too much work, I'm too busy, it's too hard, and I'm not good at it. Hey, you know what, folks? BS. No way, dude. You think you're busy? Listen to some of our spiritual mentors when they actually talk, because they don't talk a lot on the line. But when they do, you will discover what, what busy is. The other thing I want to talk about is, this is a life and death illness. Let's get back to step one. I don't have time not to do it. And again, it's not always easy. Like I, I, I shared with you, Gabriella was snot nose messy crying in my ear. I could not call anybody because if I could get them on the line, they would not hear me. So I figure it out. I send a text, right? But it's very easy to justify. Like I hear people saying, I'm recovered. I finished the steps. Really? On what page does it say, we finished the steps. We're done. We're cured. I'm never done. I'm never done. Um, and when I don't do a step 10, what I find is I then, like by 4 o'clock, I am a relief-seeking missile. I am filled to the brim with piss and vinegar, and I want to kill everyone. <laughs> 
So I don't get the privilege of not doing the work. That's just me, right? And let's, let's talk about this, these warnings that we have. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on my laurels. And laurels, resting on my laurels, dates back to ancient Greek and Roman traditions where victorious Olympians or generals wore crowns of laurels, wreaths, as sim symbols of victorious success, victory, victory, success, and status. So if I told you I was... Uh, getting clean on yesterday's shower, you tell me I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I hope. But that's just like saying I don't have time to do step 10. What I have is a daily reprieve, which is a stay of execution contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Every day is a day when I must, must carry the vision of Katie's will. Oh, it didn't say that. It said the vision of God's will into all my activities. How can I best serve you, God? Thy will not mine be done, right? God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And I cannot say that prayer if I'm not understanding that that rev that uh, in my brain is not me, right? Here's another reason why I'm not too busy to do this. Remember page 66 with the alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of experience, spiritual experience. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. Oh, is it killing me? Yes. Or when harboring, harboring means like a safe harbor, providing safety, such feelings. We shut ourselves off from the sunlight of spirit, God. The insanity of food returns to me and, to me, and I eat again. And with me to eat is to die. Obviously, I'm changing this for us. If we were to live, I had to be free of anger. That doesn't mean I don't feel anger. It means the grouch and the brainstorm. So the brainstorm are violent transient attacks. They're not for me. It's poison, dubious luxury. I can't do it. So when I do, how can I properly deal with the anger? Right, step 10 um, and step 11. So um, let's see. Let's move on. So all right, so we're at step 11. So we, we kind of covered step 10, and I'll keep playing around with that. So we've got the nightly inventory. Danger. Um, hang on. Um, we've got our vital sixth sense. Da, da, da. So I wake up in the morning, um, and oh, I want to give another example. Oh, I know what I was doing. So I was giving you the difference between step ten and eleven. So I did the mother-in-law, and then I I did that. Um, agitation is my sign of needing to pause. Um, thank you for muting that person. So as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful. Um, and um, somebody's unmuted. Please mute yourself. Thank you. Um, whoever's walking down this, thank you. Um, Okay, so on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. Where is I, where am I when agitated or doubtful? Hey, friends, where is this? Oh, I skipped over. That's right. Okay, so I wanted to give you another example. So step 11, I've got my inventory. I've got prayer and meditation. So again, like um, the A12 and 12 said, I've got an unshakable foundation. I take inventory at night. I reflect on it. And then I think about in the morning, you know, how can I do that differently? And if I go down to page 80, 
7, I have skipped to step 11, right? So, because I wanted to give some examples, is um, that uh, we, I pause when agitated or doubtful, and I constantly remind myself I'm no longer running the show. So what is the pause? A lot of that for me is work on um, my character defects. Right, and so I can frequently be irritable with my husband working from home. It's the pandemic, but again, it's always about me. Um, and for me, when I when I am agitated or doubtful, right, I have to remind myself I'm no longer running the show. Humbly saying to myself, many times each day, I will be done. So, in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I wanted my husband to go upstairs so he didn't bother me, right? And it took a lot of practice at being resentful at the noise that he had in the house to recognize, wait, what does Evan want? And you know what my husband wanted? He wanted to sit at his dining room table with his wife and daughters around him at various places and work there. But it took me a year of step 10s to finally think, wow, pause when agitated or doubtful. Pause, pray, connect. Katie, this is not for you to control. And part of step 10 and step 11 is the, um, the development of self-restraint for me, right? So in the A, 12 and 12, it says, my first objective will be the development of self-restraint. This carries a top priority rating. When I speak or act hastily, the ability to be fair-minded and tolerant evaporates on the spot. One unkind tirade or one willful snap can ruin my relation with another person for a whole day or a whole year. Nothing pays off like restraint of tongue, pen, and I will add text. For we can never think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. Right, and the book tells me I become much more efficient. I do not tire so easily. I, I trying to um, so I'm not bringing up energy foolishly, trying to arrange life to suit myself. Right, and so all of my pausing is, be, is a lot of my pausing is I'm blocked. I'm thinking this isn't working for me, right? And I'm blocked from God's kids. And a lot of times you'll hear, well. You know, I'm, uh, I, I just need to go off and be right, right with God. For me, my experience is that I need to get right with God's kids, and then I'm right with God, right? Like, I need to get right with hubs, and then I'm right with God. Now, I want to focus on this um, promise from Step 11. It says, we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So I gave you the example of trying to get life to suit myself in the pandemic, right? I got another one. So guess what? I'm not always thinking lovely thoughts when I'm on our meeting. I'm just not. Uh, when Vision for You began and I was there, my biggest resentment, if you listened to me speaking years ago, was not being called on. And I was what the uh, AA 12 and 12 calls a bleeding deacon. I only felt safe if I was sharing all the time. Today, I find if I'm not spiritually fit, I get entitled when people say things that are not true. For example, people say vision for you sponsor, vision for you program. But my work is not to judge you guys, because if I judge you, I am leaving OA one judgment at a time. And my life, if you don't know it yet, my life was burned down to the, to the grave by this disease. 
I don't have the privilege to judge y'all, right? So I need to ask God where he wants me to be of service. And to ask myself, am I sharing because it's allowed now? Because I haven't shared in two days and I want to hear myself talk. Am I answering a question because I think others need to hear me? So all of these truths were brought to me because I paused and I asked God to remove my resentment and I discussed it with someone immediately and she brought me to the edition two, page 135. She read to me, the elder statesman in our group is the one who sees the wisdom of a group's decision, who holds no resentment over his reduced status, whose judgment fortified by considerable experience is sound and who is willing to sit quietly on the sidelines, patiently awaiting developments. The believing deacon is one who just as surely is convinced the vision for you group cannot get along without you, KDG, who constantly convinces, cannot, uh, works for re-election to office and who continues to be consumed with self-pity. Hey, I was unmuted. I wasn't called on. Well, maybe God wants you to listen, KDG. It, talk, it goes on to say a few hemorrhaged so badly that drained of all AA spirit and principle, right? Because the point of me going to an OA meeting is not to be heard. The point of me going to my meeting is to have a primary purpose and to help others stay abstinent, which may include me being heard, may not. I will get drunk again. It says, um, at times, the A landscape seems to be littered with bleeding forms. Nearly every old timer in our society has gone through the process of some degree. Happily, most of them survive to become elder statements. They become real and permanent leadership of AA. There's a, the quiet opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, the sure knowledge and humble experience that uh, resolve a crisis. When sorely perplexed, the group inevitably turns to them for advice. They do not drive by mandate. They lead by my example. So you'll notice that people, I, I like to notice the people that are serving on our line, but they don't share. I like to notice the people that share once in a while, but they're there every morning quietly. Who are our trusted servants? That's who I need to be. And when I did that step 10, when I was disturbed, asked God to remove it, discussed it with someone immediately, make amends quickly, I found a new primary purpose. I don't want to be a bleeding deacon on our line. I don't want to be a lecturing and moralizing. I really want to be an elder statesman in Overeaters Anonymous. God, please show me how, right? Sometimes it makes me sad because I hear people leaving our meeting because of different personalities. It's a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, it's about me and not the other person. I can't allow my judgment of you to let me leave this meeting that has saved my life. So that was a big one for me. Um, another uh, myth is that we don't have to ask God and others for help. This is about a relationship with God and God's kids. So a lot of times the question, and please don't ask me it, when do I not have to involve others? When can I do a step 10 alone? Book tells me main problem is in my mind. A solitary self-appraisal is insufficient. I lacked honesty and tolerance. Um, on the bottom of page 58 and the AA 12 and 12, excuse me, it talks about it was it's most evident that a solitary self-appraisal and the admission of our defects based upon me alone wouldn't nearly be enough. I call and ask others for feedback that I've not considered because as page 60 says, what comes to me alone may be garbled by my own rationalization and wishful thinking. The benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and consult on our situation, that there can be no doubt in our minds what the advice is. 
Going it alone in spiritual matters is dangerous. How many times have we heard well-intentioned people claim the guidance of God when it was all too plain that they were sorely mistaken? Lacking both practice and humility, they had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground, that it is what God had told them. It is worth noting that people of very high spiritual development, that is not me, almost always insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors that the guidance they have uh, the, the guidance they have received from God, surely a novice now ought to not lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic blunders in that fashion. While the comment or advice of others may by no means be infallible, we're not perfect, it is likely to be more specific than any direct guidance we may receive while we are so inexperienced in a step. Okay, so what does this mean? Sometimes, as step 11 says on page 87, I have a presumption that I'm doing something with God, and I want to share about a, an example of that. A couple years ago at the Vision for You conference, I ran into someone. They didn't seem to like me very much. I just had this intuition. I knew that they were friends with my friends, and I could just tell. You know, there's a nut for every wrench. I know there are those of you out here who were just not very excited to hear me, and that's okay. Because we because I love you, right? I, there, it, you don't, we don't have to all love each other or like each other, but love and tolerance of others is our code, so we get to sit um, in the middle of the pack with one another. I was really insecure about this person not liking me, and I did step tens off and on about my value and worth not coming from her over and over and over again. But finally, I decided. I owed her an amend, right? Because somehow her not liking me meant that I owed her an amend. So I didn't talk to anyone. I called this person up and I laid myself at her feet and I apologized for what I thought was some, some bad behavior. But really, you guys, I just wanted her to like me. I was blocked by my ego and the desire to be liked. I thought I was in the presence of God and I... I, I didn't involve anybody else. I didn't involve anybody else. And I want to tell you the outcome of that amend was that that person felt free to tell me exactly how they feel about me, and it wasn't pretty. It actually really hurt my feelings a lot, and that's okay, because my value and worth doesn't come from what you guys think of me. But what I learned is that I'm not a spiritual warrior. I got to do this work with y'all. If your sponsor says just seek God guidance with your food and your step work, that's fine. But um, I'm probably not the person you want to call because I get to God through you and with you. I also want to say that not everyone in the rooms is saying God's will, right? Not everyone in my life is saying God's will. I um, talked a lot in the past about going through infertility treatment. There were many people that advised me that maybe it wasn't God's will for me to have a baby. Somebody told me that right before I got pregnant for the second time. And if you know me, you know that that was a long time. So, you know, we got to work with each other and realize we're all humans and addicts. So um, I'm going to wrap up. So, you know, my inventory at night sounds like this. I've added some things to it. I, uh, I list out my written inventory. I have my gratitudes. I've also uh, gone over, I've added some other things that I have to work on, like recognizing what I'm powerless over and what I'm doing for my recovery. 
I never say no to the resentment question, which if your sponsor says that's okay, that's fine, but that's not true for me. I review my step 10s uh, and I on, on my step 11 uh, form that I fill out. I look at the fear, you know, in that example with hubs, I was afraid of not getting my needs met. A lot of times on my step 11, I'm motivated in the fear section to write a prayer, such as, Holy One, please help me let go of timing and surrender to you. Help me let go of control and trust that you are giving me who I need, what I need, when I need, for as long as I need it. Something else I added to this inventory is where I've been, where have I been inconsiderate? And that comes from the sex conduct part. Uh, Bill talks about in his story, he's naturally unmindful of the welfare of others. And um, the truth is, I'm naturally unmindful of your welfare. So I like to think, how was I inconsiderate? Did I open my mind when I was listening on Vision for You this morning? Did I open my mind with my husband or was I short? Do I owe an apology? The other thing, and there's an interchange um, between 10 and 11 and 6 and 7, that I, um, I need to stay accountable to my behavior. So I know that God's going to, God in his timing, will God willing, review my, uh, relieve my shortcomings. But I need to keep track of them. So I have some questions I'm going to share with you. I, I, one question is, did I throw away my husband's food? Did I read his text messages? Did I shove napkins in his face? And did I ask him about his phone? I need to be asking God to remove these character defects, I know, but I've got to stay accountable. Um, I know what needs to be discussed with a sponsor. Um, was I kind and loving towards all? I want to focus on the word all, and I want to focus on the fact if I'm judging you, you know it. You know it. So I've never answered that question yet. What could I have done better? Frequently pause, because I think he has myself most of the time. And here, I, I write how I wasn't, when I wasn't thinking about myself, so I can focus on that. I also write out a plan for my day, um, because that is, to me, what step 11 also encompassing, encompasses. Um, so then, um, on awakening, so what do I do? So I go to bed, I've done my inventory, I get up, and I review uh, my falling short, and I review my plans for the day. Um, I relax. I take it easy. Um, I shared the example of being inexperienced. It also says, oh, I love this line, you guys. Page 87, be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what it offers. I was raised a Roman Catholic. I now feel like I'm a Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Jewish, Buddhist, um, I don't even know. Y'all have taught me so much about different religions. So part of my morning practice is I wake up, I get on my knees, I thank God for an abstinent night. I say step three, I say step 11. I sit in quiet and I talk to God about my uh, plan for the day. I say my relationship ideal prayers. I use the Bible. I use other um, outside literature to support myself. Um, I do have the privilege of praying with some friends. They join me in morning meditation. What a what a delight! Uh, don't don't miss that. Um, and then I'm going through the day when I'm pausing or agitated, constantly reminding myself I'm not running the show. I will be done. I think it's interesting too. It says it, I'm in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self pity, or foolish decisions. Now this is going to sound a little silly, but 
Recently, I heard fear, it's frenetic effort to appear recovered, right? So when I'm getting afraid, I got to ask myself, am I trying to prove something or am I really living? Am I just excited and need everybody to acknowledge me? Or, I'm be, or am I being motivated by God? Because as Larry said, I'm a passionate person, right? So my passion can be heard as screaming sometimes, and it's not. It's really not. But sometimes if somebody else is fearful, they might hear it that way. Or sometimes if I'm fearful, I might hear it that way. But I'm, I don't want to burn up energy foolishly, right, trying to arrange life to suit myself. Um, and it works. It really does. And, you know, you know, from my last talk, I am undisciplined. Um, I need to let God discipline me in the simple way I've just outlined, which means I continue, I continue, I continue. And I, I don't like I, I do, like I said, at least one step 10 a day. I acknowledge at least one place that I'm falling short a day because that's what I need to do to stay in fit spiritual condition because my primary purpose, y'all, is to stay abstinent and to help other women. I don't have to be a swimmer or a gymnast. My value and worth comes from God. I get my seat at, at Overeaters Anonymous. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I do not want to let my mind that revs out of that place of neutrality pull me away from the best gift that I've ever been given. I'm like a sailboat. I get off course, right? I've heard that the thirst for food, like, it's not the search for um, Twix bars. Twix bars really aren't that good. I just want a sense of ease and comfort. I want a sense, right? But it's really, it's been my search for unity and connectedness with God. And all that happens when I'm disturbed and I'm not turning and watching is I'm, I'm, I'm getting disconnected from God. You know what the best part of God for me is that God is as close as my breath. So the times that I've been in a lot of pain, when I haven't wanted to continue, when I've thought that life was tragically unfair because it is, all I have to do is take a deep breath and God is there and I can get out of myself and I can do things like make a phone call when I'm in labor. <laughs> or I can do things like make a phone call when I've lost a child. And I can do things like take a sponsor, sponsee call despite what's going on in my life. Because as a hero of mine says, life is a chronic condition. None of us are getting out alive, right? But I now have that, that toolkit, that toolkit that is based on step one, that's based on um, lack of power is my dilemma, that's based on my entire abstinence. I just really want to encourage you to continue to go deeper with this and press into us. Those are some of the best things that you guys have taught me when I've reached out in pain is to press in and press on. And I do for these 24 hours. Thank you so much for the privilege of being one among many today. And I hope you heard something that was helpful. God bless. Uh, thank you, Katie, for your beautiful testimony to the, the miracles of this uh, spiritual program of action. Um, so just real quickly, we're going to transition to questions, questions and answers for Katie. Um, just some definitions of Katie Judaism's wackadoo. That's crazy. Like a human. I'm wackadoo. Hubs is not a burger joint at 5540 North Lincoln. It's her partner. 
snot nose messy crying. Well, that's <laughs> self-explanatory. And cuckoo for Cocoa Pops has nothing to do with cereal. That's uh, crazy like me, too. Um, <laughs> thanks, Katie. And so we're going to transition to, um, to a Q&A. So at this point, if you would unmute yourself and give me your first name and last initial, we're going to deal with questions only for Katie. Who would like to uh, jump in? Rick Jay. Rick? Hey, Larry. Hey, Rick. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Who else? Rivka R. And Rivka. Becca R. We got Becca. Okay. Let's Melissa let's start with those. Okay, hey Melissa. Let's let's stop there and we'll uh we'll see. We'll catch you around the bend if you want to jump in. Okay, so we're gonna start with so we got I got Rick, Sarah, Rivka, Becca, and Melissa. Hey Rick, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and thank you so much, Katie. Uh, I uh, I loved hearing your, your share on ten and eleven and this is where I feel like my you know, my spiritual <laughs> growth progress adventure uh, you know has has really started to to take off and you know and I can see the more I go uh, you know the further I can go um, and wanted to hear a little bit more about you know I love that you know I've started doing this too is is in the morning review I'm, I'm looking at my nightly review and you know and I I end up that nightly review from from the night before you know, um, asking God's forgiveness and uh, what corrective measures should be taken. So, you know, and I always don't know. I mean, it's just I'm I don't know what the corrective measures could be, but I'm bringing it to to the God of my understanding. This power is greater than me. You know, and when I start my morning and and I'm thinking about my day and I'm and I'm um, considering my plans and I'm looking, you know, where I ended up and what where I was stumbling and where I had some problems and you know, what was disconnecting me most importantly from this power. So in my corrective measures, you know, I'm, I'm inviting God in. And then, you know, so I want to remember that as I go through the day, I do want to pause when agitated or doubtful because, you know, the, um, the corrective measures are still in place. And I wanted to hear, you know, how you explore those corrective measures and, you know, in a, in a pause and, you know, when you can just, you know, reconnect, to, to your higher power in a pause and what that looks like for you. Sure. Thanks, friend, for the question. Um, so, yeah, I don't always know what corrective measures should be taken. And to be candid, um, the closer you are to me, um, I don't always take corrective measures right away, um, even though it says I should. Like, I, like sometimes my uh, corrective measures are uh, to pause to leave somebody alone, to leave a situation alone. Um, and the pause is super important to me, right? Like we talk about this all the time because God is as close as the breath. So um, one of the things I'm working on with hubs is um, not nagging. That's a real hard one for me. I grew up in a house that I had to feel, that I only felt safe when I was controlling. And so I got a nagger inside me, my friends, <clears throat> and she's not very nice. So pausing <clears throat> sometimes, honestly, means running out of the room because 
sometimes the way people in my house do things, like a three-year-old daughter asking why over and over again, or a husband chewing tortilla chips, and that's fine, but he's chewing them with his mouth open, and I get really sensitive and irritable about sounds. Sometimes the best I can do is run out of the room. Because I have to work with God, proper use of the will. I can't just wait for God to remove my character defects. That ain't going to work. I've got to show up. I, can't, I can continue to say I'm recovered and live in a delusion while I'm screaming at my husband every day. That doesn't work. So I sometimes will run out of the room, <laughs> breathe, turn, ask, breathe, and practice restraint of tongue, pen, and text. Right, because a lot of times God will give me the words. Like for example, Friday night I said to Hubs, I said, you know, we should develop a safe word for me this weekend so we can enjoy it because we're going away tomorrow. I know y'all know this, but first time two girls out of the pandemic. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. So please. <laughs> but um so I found my nagger coming out and I just made light of it. And God put that on my heart. Like Evan and I have a very light relationship. And so, like, we like to joke. And so I just said to him, like, let's have a a safe word, like pickle or something, when I start being crazy. And yesterday morning, I could feel the anxiety in my body. How am I going to pack everything? What am I going to do? And I just said, I don't know what I'm doing here, buddy. And he could help me. And we could work together as a team. A lot of times it helps to have alarms reminding me on the hour that this is God's show. God, show me, direct me. I do a lot of mantra work. God, I'm yours and I trust you. Um, everything I need shall be provided today. Everything God cares and is the source of my supply. I believe and affirm this is the truth. So I do a lot of that. And uh, I do a lot of chit-chatting with y'all, you know, like reaching out a text saying, I'm, I'm struggling. I need help. Can you take a 10th step later? And then tell me how you're doing because death of self for successful living is my answer. I hope that answered your question, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Katie. Okay, next up we have Sarah, followed by Rivka. Sarah, good morning. Hi, this is Sarah in Texas. I don't know if you can hear me clearly. Um, Perfectly. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And thank you, Katie. It was a a treat, a a blessing, and I love the examples. My question is, um, how much time, like, you know, we put our recovery practices first and abstinence first, and then we can have the rest of our life and, you know, not plan like somewhere it says like not planning things too closely, having space. I don't know if that's going to be somewhere, but basically how, how much time do you give yourself on the night written part and the day written part? And then I know we have outreach calls and outreach calls can include the step 10 and sponsor calls and sponsor calls and food prep and, I guess I'm just wondering how long does that practice take since you've been doing it, that discipline? Like, yeah, That's a great question. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know, but here's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> God does not make too harsh terms with those who honestly seek him. Look, my daughter, my younger daughter, is not even 10 months old yet, okay? When she was born and I wasn't sleeping through the night, I was not meditating for an hour every day. And if that's what God gives you, that's great. But in my economy, in the economy in the big book, God's not making harsh terms with me. 
So I had this really loving phone call with a friend. Uh, she knows who she is. And uh, we were talking about how frustrated we were because before we had babies, which we worked really hard to have, we could have this like amazing meditation time. Amazing, right? And now we can't because we have children and what a privilege and what an honor, right? And so for me, it's about finding the time with the breath, right? Because again, God is as close as the breath. So I do have probably about 40 minutes in the morning, but I'm pumping my milk and I'm praying and I'm meditating and then I'm moving on to sponsor sponsee calls. Um, As a mom, I got to be super busy all the time, right? But I fit my life into program, not my program into my life. And I rely on the fact that God does not make too harsh terms. Like the other day, I couldn't immediately call someone when Gabby was screaming, but I could pray out loud, right? So there's, if I put anything before program, it's going to go. And, and there, are, there are giants on this line that can tell you how busy they are, and yet they're making time and space for God. So I don't have the privilege of not making time and space. I can't tell you the exact amount of time. Program is who I'd be. I don't separate my life from program. I, I, I just don't know how to think like that. I've been in the rooms for 16 years. Um, if you want to talk about more details, I'm happy to do that. But um, Because there are some shortcuts I take with food prep and phone calls and things like that that you just learn along the way. So I don't know. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Okay, next up, Rivka R. Followed by Becca R. Good morning, Rivka. Rivka, um, we can, there yeah, you are. I'm muted. Okay. Um, thank you so much, Kate. Rivka R. From Baltimore. Um, that was so so helpful. Uh, so I'm one of those people who, um, like, I'll look at my day and I'll say, okay, okay, no resentments today. <laughs> And then you said, any judgment is resentment. And I'm like, um, hmm, okay, that's a, a new way of looking at it. So, like, how do I, how does a guy that's not, or whatever, that inconsiderate of me in traffic or something, so I might have a judgment. Oh, look at that guy, you know. How do you, how, how do you, but then it goes. So I don't look at it at the end of the day as a resentment that I had. But if any judgment is resentment, I could say, yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm full of them throughout the day. But there are these, there are these little fleeting things. So, how, how do you deal with that? Thanks for the question. This is going to get into semantics, and I can hear the recovered fellows, my recovered fellows on the line saying, KDD's wrong. Look, this is just something my teachers have taught me. Um, if I'm in constant judgment of others, I'm not with God. And if it's okay for you to be judging people throughout the day, if that works for you and at the end of the day you're still spiritually fit, that's fine. For me, I find that when I'm in judgment of others, I'm disconnected from God because I'm playing God. And I don't let those go. So if you can just let it go, more power to you. But if I get to the end of the day and I haven't had like a snot nose, messy crying step 10, I pause and I think, who did I really judge today? And, and was that necessary? Have I ever cut someone off in traffic? Have I ever talked over somebody else on vision for you? Have I ever thought that I'm the only one with an answer in a program of recovery? Right? So that's just me. Like I'm never going to be perfect. 
I'm never going to be without judgment. And the point is to practice and not be perfect. But I don't want to have a judgment, judgmental mind because I know that if I'm in judgment, I'm leaving OA one judgment at a time. I, I can't afford it. So it's about aligning my thinking with God and creating more awareness of that. So for me, it's about getting close to my breath. If I wasn't obsessing about what other people were doing wrong, wouldn't I be with God more? Wouldn't I be more useful? Again, these are questions for you and your God. There's no right and wrong here. It's just my experience. I hope that helps. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Rivka. Okay, we have Becca R. followed by Melissa C. Hi, Becca. Hey, Larry. Good morning. This is Becca R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling in from Kentucky. And my question's pretty simple. I heard you mention going through this step process annually. And I just wonder how and how you come to – do you do that with your sponsor? the same sponsor you've had, do you do that with, I hear you speak about spiritual guides and mentors and um, just kind of how do you decide who to go through that process with each year or each time you revisit the steps? Great to hear you, friend. Thanks, Thanks. Becca. You too, honey. Um, Great question. Yes, to all of that. I know that's not, not what you want to hear, but um. So what I find is, you know, um, the 10th step only takes me so far. And so if I go to the bedevilments, which friends are on page 52, um, I can all often do a bedevilment inventory. So I'll look at where am I having trouble with personal relationships? Where am I not controlling my emotional natures? Where am I prey to misery and depression? Where can I not make a living? And where do I feel a feeling of uselessness? Where am I full of fear? Where am I unhappy? So I, um, as part of my program of recovery, I'm writing out step 11s every night, but I'm also writing in my step work every day. And so I'm pretty cued in at, on any given day what, my, what I'm falling short on. And so with the help of my sponsor, like, for example, my sponsor said to me, I think it was like five months ago, your controlling is as bad as your food, right? And Uh, It's going to kill you. Do you understand that? And I said, yes, ma'am. And so we went through the steps on my controlling behaviors. So that was with her. But then I was doing, looking at this bedevilment inventory, and I was like, wow, I have all these humans that I work to have in my life, and I'm really struggling with relationships. I I don't know how to have these freaking human relationships. I just know how to throw throw up on you or eat, you know, like I just, or hold your hostage, right? So I found somebody else. So there are so many, um, and when I say spiritual guides, I mean people who are in the rooms. I mean recovered alcoholics that I really look up to and listen to. Um, the women that I trudge with uh, bless me with recordings all the time. Like we're always sharing. What are you listening to? What are you working on? What's your character defect? Like we just keep each other accountable, you know? And so then, honestly, Becca, it just comes. It's like, oh, I'm really having a hard time with this. Or my best buddy will say, I'm going through the steps again on this issue. And I'll be like, boom, how are you doing that? And then I steal it, right? So we just continue to trudge. And and that's why I'm so blessed to have all of you who are like, you guys have fire in your bellies too. You're like, how can I do more? Like, how can I, 
how can I get more God, right? Because I never ate or dieted lightly. I don't want to do this program lightly. I want, I'm all in, friends. So um, I have specifics that are, I, are outside issues that I would be happy to help more with, Becca, if you want to talk off the line. And uh, I hope that helps. All right. Thanks, Becca. Hey, Melissa, see, speaking of uh, 10 steps, let me be the, the first to, to remind you that the New York Public Schools open in a mere 70 days. Woohoo! Hey, Melissa. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a 10-step on you as soon as we're done. I haven't even had my first day off yet, so <laughs> it starts Monday, first day off, count me in yet. Um, anyway, hey, first of all, thanks for your, both of your service this morning, and um and I just loved hearing you this morning, Katie. You know, I, my, I'm going to just say, like, you're an amazing person to do 10 steps with because you've talked me in off the ledge many times. And by telling me, like, you know, not that ever wrong that they put me out on the ledge, but that um, I put myself on the ledge or that I'm actually not on a ledge, but I'm in a self-imposed crisis. And and I wanted, I was hoping that you could sort of speak to the fact that um, when people call you in a highly agitated um, state where they really believe that they're out on a ledge, that they're going to die right now, they don't have a template in front of them, they're not yet skilled at doing this tap, can you kind of speak to how you can um, help people? Because I find sometimes people are so afraid of, you know, of like people who sound so recovered, they don't do it because they don't have it right. They don't know the dance step yet. And can you kind of speak to that? Thanks, Katie. I will. And, Melissa, thank you for t talking me off many a ledge. Um, that's why I said that amazing thing about it's not based on my spiritual condition. It's based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. You guys, we don't have to know. We're all at very different levels of recovery. So the people that taught me about step 10 and step 11 in Boston were really skilled at taking me through the work. There are times that people call me and I, the first thing I've learned to ask is, do you want feedback? Lots of us don't want feedback. We want to be right and we don't want to get out of our places. And I've had discussions with some of you where we've decided to get off the phone because we're not getting anywhere and that's okay. There's a nut for every wrench. I'm not for everyone, and I get that. But what I've been taught to do is ask, like, what are you looking for? And the women I trudge with are so cool. They're always looking for spiritual consideration. Like, one of my gals is like, I'm in so much pain. And I'm like, I know, give it to me. So I go through the work. I just say, okay. Um, and if somebody doesn't know how to do it, I prompt them. I'll say, okay, what, what are you angry about? Pretend you just told me the whole story, but don't tell me the story. So what are you angry about? You know, I'm angry that somebody is um, shouting on the line and pissing me off. They have no right to share. Okay, what does that affect? Let's go through it. Okay, where are you selfish? What do you want from them without regards to what they want, what they need, or what they're capable of? And if I sense that someone's fighting, I say, you know what? It doesn't sound like you like hearing what I'm saying, and that's fine. I could be totally wrong, right? And that's, too, some of the quotes that I read earlier about, 
you know, like some of we're like we're human beings and we're addicts and there are many times I'm not going to be inspired. And I may not, like I said, you know, I'm a mom of little kids. If you've never had children and you try and do a step 10 with me, you may think that my feedback is cuckoo. I don't always. I mean, I, um, so I'm not here to convince you that I'm right. I'm just here to help you get back to God. And so if I, if and when I sense hesitation from either somebody in a step 10 or a sponsee, I say, look, I don't fight my own disease. I can't fight yours. It sounds like you're not really open to feedback. I'm going to encourage you to call someone else. And there was a conversation I had like six months ago and someone got really mad. She was quite mad at the feedback I was giving. And I, I said, well, it doesn't sound like you want it. And she's like, no, I do. I do. I do. And finally I said what I needed to say, which is I'm really uncomfortable. I don't think you want to hear what I have to say because I feel like you're fighting me and I don't need another person not to fight today. So I'm going to go be with my family, go call someone else. Right. Because that's what we do. And, you know, not every step 10 is a, is a 10, um, but I don't want to have to do step 10s on step 10, right? So if I'm not hearing what somebody is saying, there are 9,000 people on that recovery list. Get calling. I hope that helps. Thanks for the question, uh, Melissa. Okay, last call, last call. I'm putting the lights on and off at the bakery here. Uh, who's got a question be, for... Nadia, hey Nadia. Devorah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Marilyn. Marilyn. I got Marilyn. Annabelle. And Annabelle. We only paid Katie through uh, the top of the hour, so. She's on an hourly rate here. So any, <laughs> any, anybody else? I got Annabelle. All right. Okay, let's start. I have Nadia, Devora, Marilyn, and Annabelle. Nadia B., good morning. Take two. Nadia B. I'll be waiting for this one. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service, Larry. And thank you so much for your open heartedness, Katie. I have a question. So sometimes I get off the phone um, with someone on the 10th step. And, you know, in all my mind, I know what to do. But I don't feel the love. I just, you know, like the other day I was doing the 10 step on the hubs for like, you know, the 10th time. I get off the phone and I know what to do, but I just don't want to do it. I don't feel the love. I don't, you know, want to go hug him and kiss him. And, you know, I don't. So, um, and I sometimes still feel very uncomfortable. So could you tell me um, if you've had that? kind of experience and what do you do with it if you did yes friend thank you and yeah I mean most of the time I don't feel very good (laughs) because for me my experience Nadia is that step 10 brings me closer to the feelings it's like oh you're just really afraid of being rejected so you're rejecting other people but like hubs is still hubs and I love him he's my person but he's my person and I'm not always able to go and hug and love on him. 
but it says um, we, we throw ourselves harder into helping others. And it's not always the person that I've had a tiff with. Like, honestly, sometimes, and if we were interviewing him right now, the best amends that I can make to my family is leaving them alone, <laughs> giving them space. And then at a later time, like I said about that chat on Friday night when I said, let's have a safe word, let's say pickle whenever I get anxious, that becomes God-inspired. So, you know, the direction of we make amends quickly, like for me, that's when, like yesterday, I knew I had raised my voice at my daughter and my husband, and I knew, I, I left the room, I knew, boom, Katie, you raised your voice, you're wrong. I had the willingness, I was ready to go back. But I, and this is just Katie, this is just me and God, so if you disagree, that's awesome. I, I don't always have the emotional sobriety to go back and, and say I was wrong. I don't, even though it's immediately, I don't. And so I don't do it, I wait, I pause, I turn, I ask. Um, I ask for spiritual consideration and then I pray for the willingness to be willing. Like um, in uh, step nine, uh, it says we may not have the willingness to make the amends, but we ask until it comes. So that's the kind of thing that I do. I just keep asking and then throwing myself harder into helping others. One of the most helpful things is thinking of hubs as one of you. Because I don't know if you know it, but I have so much love in my heart for you. I do. I have nothing but love in my heart for this uh, Overeaters Anonymous. And when I think of my family as in that terms, I'm like, whoa, gosh, if Nadia were at my house right now and I had just yelled at her, what would I say? Oh my God, I give you the biggest hug, right? So that helps me. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Nadia. Thanks, Katie. Okay, next up, we got Devorah and then we got Marilyn. Hey, Devorah, good morning. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, so much for your service. And Katie, it was great hearing you. And you taught me six very important words with step 10 regardless of their wants, needs, capabilities. And it helps me so much. So, all these years. Anyway, question. So, when you review at night, and I love how you said that you never answer no, no, no. There's always something there lurking. Do you include your, any step 10s that you've done throughout the day in your step 11 that you were resentful? Or is it done? Thanks, Devora. So, I don't really think about it in that language of closed or done, if you know what I'm saying. So... With that question where I was resentful, if I had, when I had a resentment and I called you and I said, Devorah, I'm crazy, listen to me, um, I do note that. I do note that because for me, what I love about step 10 and 11 and follow me on this, it may not work. It's like a dance, right? So I have to look at, take a step forward, what, where did I fall short? Right. And I bring that into to prayer and meditation because I want to bring that into my consciousness. Did I fully set it right? Because I want to bring that into my consciousness the next day, because who am I going to be the next day and how am I going to avoid the same pitfalls? So I don't really think of it as like done or not. So, yes, I include, to answer your question, like technically, yes, I say I did a step 10 with Devola and this was the spiritual feedback I got. I don't tell other people I did the step 10 with you, Devorah, 
but because of anonymity, but I'll note that. I'll note the spiritual considerations I got. I'll note whether I made the apology, and then I bring it to God. God, am I done? And I bring it to my sponsor and to God the next morning. God, am I done? Sponsor, am I done? Did I look at this the right way? Did I do this the right way? And then move forward. So I just, for me, Devola, it's like a constant back and forth. It's um, to... In, during the day, stop, turn, pause, pray, ask, connect, right? And then at night, okay, so I'm reviewing my day. Yes, I had a step 10. Like to me, in my thinking mind, I don't know why I wouldn't include it because I need to make sure I'm clean and clear. Because um, if I don't and I have amends that are out there lurking, we all know the promise of the big book is I'm going to eat again. So I don't know if that works with your question, but that's kind of how I think about it. Thank you. Thanks, Devorah. Okay, Marilyn, it's your turn. Good morning. And then Annabelle. Hi, everybody. I don't know whether this is an appropriate question, but you talked about relationships. And if anyone saw me <clears throat> outside of, you know, with just if anyone saw me, they would say, oh, you, you know, you have beautiful relationships with people. My problem is with my daughter. Um, the problem really is with me. My question is, I don't feel the love that I should feel as a mother. And I never have. And it could relate back to many things in my childhood. But what could I do about that to start off with? Annabelle, what step are you on? Are you talking to me? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me, Marilyn. What step are you on? Um, step ten, or actually step nine. Okay. I'm trying to make amends, but I don't feel it. So feeling is not a requirement. Um, so. What it talks about in step nine is if we don't have the willingness to make the amends, we pray until it comes. So my okay. encouragement to you, Marilyn, is that um, if you're not feeling the love in your heart, I, <clears throat> as part of my morning practice, I pray for all the people that I resent, which is what the big book tells me. And I pray to God to guide me and soften my heart towards them. And I name them out loud so that I can see them as God's kids. So I, my, if you, if I were sponsoring you right now and you told me you were on step nine and you were not willing to make amends to your daughter yet, um, I probably want to look again at your inventory and make sure you saw where your thinking is wrong because it's a spiritual axiom that when I'm disturbed, it's all about me. And then I would ask you, are you praying for her? Are you praying for the willingness? Because this isn't about being right. This is about, do I want to be right or do I want to be right with God? I'm going to be both. <laughs> I want to be right with God, right? So um, I think there's some actions that you might want to start taking, and I'd be happy to review more of them. Uh, they are out of the book, and I hope that's helpful. Thank you. And is it possible to have your number, telephone number? Working at yeah, I'm going to give it out at the end. Yeah. Sorry, Larry. 
Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. The same thing. Yeah, at the end of the, the deal, we'll, we'll give Katie's uh, number, her garage code, her PIN, everything. So, um, okay. <laughs> Annabelle, we saved the best for last. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you for your service. And uh, thank you, Katie, for, oh, my goodness, almost telling my story. Um, I'm Annabelle, compulsive overeater in Washington State. And the question I have for you in regards to uh, – the how it's how how do you when you I really related to the being controlling and having to do like a whole fourth step on controlling you know and what do you do when you like for me when I I do the work and I get at peace but my family member specifically the hubs doesn't know that I've done the work and I don't want to be uh you know like how do you how do you deal with that patience of just having to wait and know that, okay, I've done my work now, I've done my amends now, but they're not really ready to get to, you know, they don't want to hear I'm sorry anymore because it's like, you know, just change. And the other day on, I think, Friday Morning Vision, someone talked about pulling up the roots, literally like the roots and like planting it in new soil. They were talking about something like that and how, like, I, to just let go of the old plant. And so the question I have is that, how do you deal with that, that patience? Because I want to control and say, I want you to accept me now, now that I've apologized for being controlling. And so that, that transition is, uh, if you yeah. can into that. Beautiful question. You know, one of my OA heroes tells me I'm the one with the book, right? Like I'm the one with the program. So it's not that cool that I've made an amend. Like it's not that cool that I've now practiced the principles in all my affairs. I have nothing to be self-righteous about, right? Like I've, I've had to make an amend to my husband. And what he does with that is his business. And so I don't know what to tell you, how to be more patient, except that God, your God loves you so much. I mean, he loves me so much that he gives me lots of time to give my husband space when he's mad. Because if I'm going to make an amend, I need to offer him the integrity that I was wrong, that I harmed him, and I need to give him space. He deserves space. Like, he deserves the right to be irritated at me. He deserves the right to have feelings around it. And if I've cleaned it up, then I just let it be, right? And I, again, I know that feeling. You're like, oh my God, dude, I just made an amend. Like, don't you see how pretty, pretty I am now? And the truth is no. Like, if I were really pretty, pretty, I wouldn't be making the amend. So I got to humble myself, throw myself harder into helping others, right? So like, no self-righteousness, no better than, no worse than, but just, okay, so I corrected it. And then, Annabelle, I also make sure I'm in constant contact with women who've walked before me. Like, how do you become a reliable wife? How do you earnestly pray for the right ideal as a wife, guidance in each questionable situation, sanity, and the strength to do the right thing? How do you do this? So I'm in constant counsel. Like, how can I do this differently? Um, I often will, if I'm on a step 10 call, I'll ask, like, do you have any creative ways that I could amend this? Sometimes I will send my husband a really funny emoji, um, like from the wedding singer where he says, I am a, you know what, bumhole, um, to just kind of get things to lighten up. So um, I think it's about taking, it's not because it's not about your husband, it's about you. 
and it's about being comfortable. Yep, you made a mistake, just like the book says. It's okay, mommy. Everyone makes mistakes, right? But, but as an addict, it is my commitment. If I don't want to eat again, I got to clean it up, and then I got to see what God does. I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Annabelle, and and thanks to everybody who uh, who was here this uh, this morning, and most especially Katie. You just did a a wonderful job. Thank you for sharing with your with your grace, and we're, we're so indebted to you. Did, did a wonderful job. You're the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> if you haven't seen that show, oh my gosh, it reminds me of the grace that she carries all this stuff. Uh, and so, anyway, with that, let me give you the share ID for. Uh, Today, for this presentation, June 27th, that number is 17,236. That's 17236. And we're going to give Katie's uh, contact information just as soon as we close the meeting. And we're going to close kind of the way we do on uh, Vision for You during the week, Monday through Friday. I'm going to read from page 164, and, uh, and then we will, we'll get Katie's uh, contact information. So our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.